Hello guys and welcome to Odson Champions League draw, redraw, draw part two. We are going to analyze again what we saw in the draw because of course the fixtures are completely different. We did a live video, now we are doing another one with the real fixtures. So please uh, comment with us uh, because we have Alvaro Romeo and Dani Fisichella to analyze with us all eight games fixtures so we can have an idea on what to expect two months ahead of the games. How are you, Alvaro? How are you, Dani? It's great to be here again. Again. Groundhog Day. But can I say something? <laughs> no one ever says well done to UEFA for the millions of time that they got the draw right. Any I mean, one once it was going to happen. Once it was going to happen. That, that's a very very singular expect. take of you, Daniele. <laughs> but <laughs> I think I think I think I think it's bad. But come on, it's human. I mean, well. Yeah, it, it, it is human. I, I agree. It is human. But the, the explanation was even funnier because they blame, oh, yeah, blame the software. Else. Blame someone else. They blame the yeah. software. What yes. software? You just need balls and papers. Very... <laughs> That's very human, actually, blaming someone else. So, guys, comment with us the video, of course, like the video, subscribe to our channel. And now, let's go on with the show. And the first one to blame UEFA is me, actually, because the first fixture that we are going to analyze is PSG Real Madrid. And I'm not very happy at all with the redraw because it should be Benfica. Now it's going to be tougher, way tougher, but there is a lot on stake. Will Mbappé have signed a contract by that with Real Madrid? Because on the 1st of January, he can sign a contract with any other team. Sergio Ramos going back to the Bernabeu. There are many other things. Florentino was... Uh, not very happy after his offer for Mbappé was rejected in the previous summer. All and all these two teams will meet on Tuesday, 15th of February and uh, checking the odds to qualify that we can already see. PSG are favorites, 1.82, Real Madrid 2.2, Alvaro two months uh, away from this tie and actually last time they met in the last 16 round, everything changed in these two months because PSG were super favorites and then when February, February came, Real Madrid was way better. I remember that PSG went through as uh, first in a group with Bayern that happened three years ago. And Real Madrid didn't look that good. And at the end, they ended up being super competitive as they usually are. And um, I believe that there was a factor then that may repeat itself again, which is Neymar being or not. Because you remember yeah. that Neymar was not there. Um, this time it's still doubtful, right? Uh, we still don't know whether Neymar is going to be there, in which conditions, whether he's going to be fully fit or not. There are so many angles to this game. Obviously, the offer, a rejected offer for Mbappé this summer, the possible potential return of Sergio Ramos to Santiago Bernabeu, even though he's been living on a stretcher for the last three months, so we don't know whether he'll be fit or not. Lionel Messi, Lionel Messi hasn't scored against Real Madrid for a while now, since Valverde's time. So, you know, I think that uh, we have spoken about PSG, we have spoken about their defensive uh, duties, um, 
there are seven or eight players who defend, no more. Uh, this obviously cost them, but at the same time, it's a course and a blessing because uh, up front you've got Mbappé and Lionel Messi and possibly Neymar. When it comes to Real Madrid, they were so impressive against Atletico the other day. They've been very impressive in the league. Edu, this is something that you may not know, but since uh, Fernandendi came back, uh, Real Madrid hasn't lost a single game. 13 games unbeaten, 10 wins, 3 draws. And uh, it all started with Mendy coming back because he's putting everyone back in place. Alaba as a centre-back with Militao, Nacho to the bench, which I believe that this is his place right now, and Carvajal <laughs> is playing too. So Real Madrid is looking very good. Um, the midfield is so automated. It's difficult to call this one, but for this game alone, I will go for the under three goals. That gives you a marginal win of 185. It's all right. I think that uh, Real Madrid can defend very well as well and kill it at the Bernabeu. And Real Madrid, to qualify, uh, I'm in favor of this a little bit, just because it pays a bit better than PSG to qualify. And Real Madrid, as I said before, they played as an automated machine that pays 220. Nacho scored, by the way, Danny, Nacho scored a great goal against PSG where they, when they were playing in the group stages with Benitez on the bench, if I'm not mistaken. He scored yes, yes, with the, uh, with the left foot. Exactly. Right? I think a, 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 a very weird volley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a very weird goal, but be careful with that. Danny? I mean, I wonder um, who's got more pressure going into this game. Uh, mm. Because, you know, for Real Madrid, winning the Champions League this year is not an obsession. It's not an objective. Of course, they want to get as far as possible. But for PSG, winning the Champions League is the ultimate, the unique goal of this season. They base their uh, transfer market based only on winning the Champions League, if they fail, it's going to be a disastrous campaign again, no matter if they win the league one or not. Now, so I think this could play a part for it, but nonetheless, big players step up in big, in big, in big games. So we're not saying that PSG are going to suffer from the pressure. But if I look at the two teams at the moment, the one that is more aligned with his manager philosophy and with his manager style of play is certainly Real Madrid. I know some Real Madrid players would like to play more attractive football, would like to push on a little bit more, would like to press more. But what Ancelotti has said very clearly is that if I go to the midfield of Modric, Casemiro, Cross, I'm not going to play the pressing game. I'm just going to wait a little bit. And that's what he did against Inter and did really, really well. Because then you got the talent up front to, to play and win games. PSG at the moment... Where is the pattern of play? Where is the imprinting for uh, from uh, Pochettino? Is Pochettino going to stay there beyond this season if he doesn't win the Champions League? I'm not sure they can support the three attacking players if effectively Neymar is there with that midfield as well. Uh, man for man, maybe PSG might be slightly better or got or got players that got more uh, trajectory, but I think as a team, Man Real Madrid are much more accomplished, and I would trust them to score at the uh, Parc de Prince. And yes, the odds to for Real Madrid to qualify are way too high, 220 compared to 170 for PSG. I think you definitely have a look at uh, Los Blancos for this one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Madrid is more balanced. Guido is telling us uh, Real Madrid won in the Parc de Prince uh, when they were playing in the last 16 round for the last time in 2019. And it's very interesting, actually, what Danny said about 
who is going to be more disappointed uh, being out of the competition because none of these teams are prepared, of course, to be out on the last 16 round. Although Real Madrid, as Danny said, this year I think they don't have the necessity to win the Champions League, but they must win the La Liga title, that's for sure. Then the best probably the clash, no? the biggest, uh, the most important fixture of this uh, last 16 round in the Parc de Princes. Let's go to Portugal. We have a Sporting Man City, one of the legs that I guess it should be one way. Of course, Man City will be favorite against yeah. every team, especially because the bookies love Man City. <laughs> And they don't have the European pedigree, but still they are more reliable than in previous seasons. Uh, and year after year, Danny, this Man City is getting better also in Europe. They are not making the mistakes that they did in the past. Well, like just two, three years ago, also they went out against the Spurs that we didn't expect that. But I guess uh, against Sporting, we can see these odds are only for the game uh, played in Lisbon. Man City shouldn't have any trouble to kick out uh, Sporting. It shouldn't have any trouble to qualify, I would say. They are the favourites by the bookmakers to lift the trophy. Uh, perhaps uh, two favourites if you compare them to Liverpool, but we're going to talk about this a little bit later. For this game, yes, of course, Man City are going to be favourite uh, for the way they rotate the team, for the way Guardiola is using his entire squad. Nothing suggests me so far that they're going to come to February and struggle with uh, form. Now, this is the time of the year, December, November, where Guardiola really shows what is all about, how he changes formation every week, week in and week out, four or five changes, uh, playing different solutions, playing with the false nine recently with Grealish. They are not suffering from the fact they don't have a number nine or a proven goal scorer this season because I think up to uh, 13, 12 players have scored so far in the season. No one has gone into double figures yet, but it's a real collective effort. Yes, Man City are playing probably the best football they played for uh, months. And they go um, to Sporting, uh, which is a team that, you know, has surprised many. Uh, Ruben Amorim, a 37 years old manager, uh, plays on the front foot, likes to play 3-4-3. Three three. They got good players, Gonzalo Guedes. Also, they got Sarabia for free from PSG. I think it was a good buy. It is a team that is not afraid of taking risks. And, you know, what they achieved in the group qualifiers was quite amazing after losing the first two games so um, it is I think I think look when we were analyzing the group stages we said in the Champions League there are very few teams that cannot score you a goals probably Malmo uh, Dynamo Kiev but Sporting is one of those teams that can hurt you can score you a goal maybe by conceding few. So, um, yes, of course, Manchester City favourites. I would imagine the, the, the odds for the first fixture are going to be even lower. But maybe for the first time in Portugal, you could go for a both to score, which doesn't pay too badly. It's 187 at the moment on Oddspedia, considering how well Sporting are doing also domestically. Mm, uh, both teams to score, City to win for Manchester, Sporting, if the game was going to be played this week, actually they are in great form in the domestic competition, they beat Boavista, they beat even Benfica in the Lisbon Derby, but uh, talking about the Champions League is very difficult, Alvaro, to see a surprise here. I think so, yeah. I think that this time Manchester City will have the upper hand, but... Uh... 
it's worth uh, remarking that there has been two Manchester Cities this season, uh, at least uh, number-wise. One in the Premier League, they have considered only nine goals in the Premier League, which is really good considering that they have played more than 15 games in the Premier League. But in the Champions League, they have considered 10 in six games. So this Manchester City, um, they have been a little bit more, perhaps, uh, happy happy playing uh, in the Champions League against Leipzig, for example. Then they played against PSG, of course. That was not uh, going to be easy either for them. So, of course, you are going to concede more goals in the Champions League, right? Because your opponents are better. But having conceded 10 in the Champions League is quite a lot for a team of Guardiola. And I think he will be working on that uh, now that the knockout stages are coming. I think that Manchester City are defending fantastically. Uh, and then they, they dominate you in a way that uh, it's unprecedented, uh, probably in English football. We saw that with uh, Guardiola's Barcelona, with uh, Guardiola's Bayern, and now Guardiola's Manchester City. It's astonishing how much they they dominate you to the point that against Watford in the first half, uh, it should have been six or seven nil, like only two weeks ago. It was very impressive. I mean, the gulf between them and the rest of the teams in the Premier League, apart from Liverpool, Chelsea, and maybe Manchester United and Spurs, is astonishing. Um, I think that uh, they will be involved in the title race, obviously, uh, by the time this uh, game comes. But the same thing applies to Sporting Lisbon. And they've got uh, worse players, I believe. Uh, Sarabia was a very shrewd signing. I believe that uh, Gonsalves will be very important for them in the second half of the season. Let's not forget, last year, he scored 23 goals. Gonsalves, the young Portuguese, and this is how he's been in the sidelines for a little while. He's back, and I don't think that the Sporting Lisbon uh, has the capacity to eliminate the Manchester City in two games. I think that they can cause an upset one day, you know, but that will be a one-off. But my favorite odds here would be probably the Asian Handicap minus one for Manchester City. It's kind of a marginal game, but I know that many of our followers like uh, just the 158 uh, return uh, for your money because probably they are betting more than one unit. Or the clean sheet for Manchester City. Here I'm going to disagree. I, I beg to differ a little bit with Daniele. I think that Manchester City is going to improve defensively um, in the knockout stages. And I can see them getting a clean sheet uh, with the likes of Ruben Diaz, Laporte, Walker uh, at the top of his game. Walker if he's ready. No, he's, uh, he's not available, sorry. Cancelo and... Uh, and, you know, whoever plays at the back, I think that they are going to be really, really, really solid. By the way, of course, when the time comes, we will analyze every single game more in-depth and give you better tips, I hope, because we will know team news, team form. The games still uh, are to be played in a couple of months. Uh, then uh, another big game, Inter-Liverpool. Danny, for sure you are not happy as well with the redraw. Uh, when we check the odds to qualify... No one trusts uh, this uh, Inter odds 4.0 to qualify, Liverpool 1.32. Last time these two teams played was long, long time ago. And no, no, it was close. It was close. No, it was in the 2007-2008 with Mancini. We lost lost 2-0 at Liverpool, lost 1-0 at Milan with Fernando Torres scoring. But yes, probably the one you're referring to was back in the 60s. Yeah, the head-to-head -head actually is lost, no? Basically, against uh, Liverpool. Do you give any chance to Inter or you should expect uh, Liverpool defence to have many injuries as happened last season? 
Well, I mean, that obviously was a contributing factor to Liverpool not doing very well last season. And we saw the difference this season with Van Dijk, with Matip, and also the, in the middle of the field as well with Fabinho fit. Of course, they got a lot of lot of strengths there. Chances for Inter. Inter has been playing well so far this season. They qualified for the first time in 10 years to the knockout stages, which I don't think is a big surprise for the champions of Italy. But the big thing is that they've done it well. They play well consistently. And what impresses me a lot is the quality and quality quantity of passes that they exchange leading to goals. So the goals are really very well worked. What uh, Simone Inzaghi has done is taken the same system of uh, Conte 3-5-2, but has given more freedom, especially to the to two of the central defenders, Bastoni and Skriniar, to attack the spaces and almost play as wing-backs. So Inter, in the end, attacks with six, seven players. Uh, three of them are in the opposition box, and they exchange position a lot. This is going to cause Liverpool some issues, of course. Inter is a team that had the most shots um, in the Champions League group stages. It is a team that recovers the ball quite, or try to, to recover the ball quite up the pitch. So yes, Liverpool are going to be uh, dealing with an attacking team, especially in the first leg in Milan. Of course, Liverpool has got the quality to shut down the pressing, to elude the pressing. It's got great defenders who can obviously uh, match physically as much as Dzeko and Lautaro Martinez. And obviously, Liverpool on the wings, on the flanks, it's devastating. I mean, oh, uh, probably Inter have never played a team with two fullbacks as good as Robertson and Alexander Arnold. So, it is going to be tough for Inter. Uh, both teams are going to be in the in the in the title race in the respective domestic competition. Maybe a little bit of hope for Inter is that Liverpool might get to this to this game a little bit tired. Maybe after the lot of fixtures played in January, December. But again, uh, Klopp, I'm sure, is going to rotate the team. But maybe for a team that hasn't strengthened that much in summer. That could be an issue, but obviously this we have to see. Also, there is the big question mark of the Africa Cup of Nations. Keita, Salah, Mane for Liverpool going to go there in January. So how are they going to return from that? We don't know. Maybe Inter are going to have less absentees in the key uh, month. But nonetheless, a difficult one uh, for Inter, of sure. I'm, co- I'm, I'm sure they were happier with Ajax. But, which was wrong the first time. In terms of odds, you have to look maybe at the goal market at the moment in Oddspedia. Over 275 goals. So basically three goals to win half your stake or more. That pays 189 for a spectacular first, first leg in San Siro. As Envano is saying, Alvaro, the odds for Liverpool to win 2.4, 2.2 right now are good enough at this moment, actually. And I like them, and I chose them because I think that Liverpool will win this game. Uh, I liked Inter in the in the group stage. I believe that they, as Daniel said, in some of the statistic charts, they were up there uh, in attempts. For example, they are the club that have uh, taken more in the Champions League so far. Even though, you know, you have to cross-check that with their opponents. They also played against Sheriff. Uh, they also played against Shakhtar, the team that lets you play a little bit as well. So, you know. Uh, there are some caveats in there, but of course Inter has been good and against Real Madrid they were very competitive in both games but then Real Madrid has something else still has something else uh, I believe well, that Liverpool has been amazing, I mean when they unchain their storm, uh, no team is parallel to them in Europe apart from Bayern, I think um, they are capable of uh, attacking spaces, they are capable of attacking tight defences, uh, there is no scenario really that Liverpool dislikes I think that this uh, 
is a is something that defines this Jurgen Klopp's team because I know the kind of the scenarios that uh, Pep Guardiola's teams uh, dislike, like for example uh, playing against a tight defense, uh, maybe counter attacks from quick players. But this Liverpool really can afford anything, and uh, this doesn't make them uh, better than Manchester City or better than Bayern. I'm just saying that they are capable of uh, facing every situation with a certain optimism. Um, the African Cup, it's obviously um, a terrific. Uh, a terrific influence will have a terrific influence in the season for Liverpool, but at the same time, this season they are more ready to to rotate because the likes of Minamino, for example, the likes of Thiago Alcantara, the likes of Harvey Elliott, who might be back sooner than expected, by the way, I believe that could have an influence this season too. Uh, Thiago Jota is going to become the most important player for them. I'm pretty sure about that because uh, in the absence of the two Egyptian and Senegalese uh, strikers, he will uh, get a lot of responsibilities up front. So I think that Liverpool is looking good for the season. The African Cup of Nations, let's see the impact that it will have, but they are very well equipped. The squad this season is bigger than it was a, a few seasons ago. So I'm going to go for the following. Yes, Liverpool to win that page 214. Liverpool to win the first half, a bit more speculative, but when they come into the games, they come very strong, 265. Uh, or the Asian Handicap minus one for Liverpool. You know, I'm doing upgrades constantly on my bets. Asian Handicap minus one for Liverpool, meaning that they have to win by two. That page 320. One other I factor think... that we need to think about that sometimes we forget to mention is that at the end of January, early February, there are also the South American qualifiers, two games that have were postponed in Inter. I've got a lot of South Americans. So, yes, yes there is the African Cup of Nations, a slightly longer tournament, but let's not forget about that. So, yeah, it's going to be tough for loads of those teams dealing with players coming and going, possible COVID infection. So, yeah, when you see the odds, anything can change, really. And the, the thing well, is that, Daniel, some of the South Americans at Inter are probably the most important players in the team. Absolutely. Well, yeah, yeah. So they, they are not just peripheral players at no, Inter. No, no, no. Absol no, no. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially if they are playing in Uruguay, Chile. Uh, that is the case. Not for Lautaro Martinez, for instance, because uh, Argentina's ticket to the World Cup is done. I think it's going to be very entertaining. This Inter-Liverpool. Then we have Red Bull, Salzburg, Bayern Munich. I guess also Bayern supporters are happy seeing that they have... Salzburg instead of Atletico de Madrid. Salzburg, first time uh, with an Austrian team in the last 16 round. They were surprising, I guess, in an easy group with Lille, Sevilla and uh, Wolfsburg. But here they are and is one of the most clear ties. Uh, Alvaro, Bayern Munich to qualify is 1.1, I think. They shouldn't have any trouble to win both games. No, they shouldn't. They shouldn't. Well, uh... I think that Bayern, they have been as uh, dominant as we would have expected. I believe that uh, this season they are going to benefit a little bit from the small Christmas break that they've got in the Bundesliga. At the end of the day, let's not forget that uh, two and a half weeks in the middle of the season can do wonders for a team. Probably Joshua Kimmich will be better because now uh, he's having some lung issues associated to COVID-19. Hopefully he'll be better. We know that... Uh, all his um, stance with the vaccination and all that. But yeah, Bayern has been impressive. Uh, I think that very few teams in the world can field uh, Thomas Muller, um, Sané, um, Lewandowski and someone else, Coman or Nabri. I mean, players who can score anytime. They are quick, they are powerful. I mean, what else? And then uh, Goretzka and Kimmich coming from the back. I mean, this is very impressive. And then the defenders. I know that Bayern's uh, defensive unit is not perfect. I know that they make mistakes here and there, but their physicality is astonishing as well. So basically, they can put themselves on 
your side of the pitch dominate you and if the other team has a counter-attack they got the likes of Lucas Hernandez or Upamecano or Alfonso Davis who can run back and really like stop any counter-attack from happening they are for me the big deal in Europe all together with Liverpool and uh, Manchester City and Salzburg I think that they were impressive in the group stage you said before Edu that uh, they had a, an easy group yes but they made it look easy as well and for example against Sevilla let's not forget that they at Sanchez Pijuan were going back to September they had three penalties mm. and uh, they only scored one but Stupid. you know they could have they could have beaten Sevilla as well uh, and qualify slightly earlier in the group stage. So I, I really like them, but I think that the proposition of Salzburg is going to be something that Bayern knows very well. And I believe that Salzburg is going to play against them, like many clubs in the Bundesliga, and Bayern knows uh, knows basically how, how it goes against teams like this. For example, Bayern to win the second half is something that I like here. It gives you, obviously, a better value than Bayern winning, 166. Or the Asian handicap minus 1.5 for Bayern. That pays 209, and this is my favorite bet. And last year, Bayern went to Salzburg, won 6-2. In the reverse fixture, they won 3-1 in Munich. And yeah, I mean, yes, it was a co two competitive games, good to watch, but Bayern were out of touch, out of sight very, very early. The thing with Bayern is that with Nagelsmann uh, coming in, things haven't really probably clicked, but we know this manager needs time. And I think things can only get better now for Bayern if they get uh, the best players back, if the partnership at the back, Upamecano and Sule improves. I think Bayern is a team that can only improve. So far, was simple, easy. They had a couple of setbacks maybe in the league. They are out of the German Cup after the shocking defeat against Mönchengladbach, but that means that they are only focusing on this game and the league. So again, less fixtures for them and plus the Christmas break, so that can help. For Salzburg, I think he's an exciting team to watch. Uh, the Yemi, Okafor, you know, good players. They also have a, a good manager. Uh, they could have qualified much earlier. And I think, if I'm not wrong, they had the highest expected goals in the Champions League when they were playing at home. So the both-to-score option could be there, but with Bayern uh, scoring plenty. Alvaro said Asian handicap minus one. I even see an Asian minus handicap... 1.5. Minus 1.5, sorry. I, I I could even go higher, minus 2, which is 2.83, so they need to win by uh, 3 goals. But it could be an entertaining game. It could be a mm. high-scoring game. But yes, it, it, it might be like watching Bundesliga, uh, you know, by how many games Bayern have won 3-1 for 1, you know, the, at the end of the day. It's, it's in the bank after 30, 40 minutes is in the bank. Yeah, exactly. Bayern Munich, they don't pay attention actually anymore to the small games in the Bundesliga. They always beat also the older team of Salzburg, no? Leipzig, so they shouldn't have any problems with Salzburg. It's going to be a massacre. And Vano is saying, I think we all agree with that. Uh, probably an easy one as well. Chelsea, Lille, this one. We don't have to analyze it. <laughs> we go back to the other video. <laughs> go to the other video and check it. Put a uh, link. Chelsea's put a link to the other video. <laughs> Chelsea supporters, they are happy. Tuchel is happy. The current champions. Actually, if this game is going to be played uh, tomorrow, I would be uh, skeptical, let's say, or cautious about uh, Chelsea because they are considering a lot because Lille is getting better. And the positive thing... Danny is that Lille started the season so bad in their domestic league, they changed manager, of course, that everything 
only can go better for them, especially at, in Likan. It is a team, it's a strange team because every time I look at them, it seems like the season is kicking off again. They put in a couple of results together, then they have a setback. Difficult to predict this season. They're very low in the table compared to you know, where they were last season. And I think it's because they conceded far too many goals. L losing Magnan in, as a goalkeeper has been a problem. Playing a lot of games without Ben Botman has been a problem for them. And yes, it is a team that uh, hasn't really struggled to find the form to close game down. And they might be losing another player in January, Icone, who's probably going to join uh, Fiorentina. So I wonder whether there's a little bit of restructure uh, going there for the champions and you know they are the lowest they were the lowest uh, ranked team in this draw number 62 and they play the number three ranked uh, team in UEFA which is Chelsea uh, Chelsea going through a little bit of a wobble at the moment I think they conceded 10 in the last uh, five games uh, three at Zenit uh, they conceded two against Leeds um, they are also struggling with injuries. Let's not forget, they had Reese James and Chilwell out in the crucial moment of the season, now of the last few months, after the majestic win against Juventus. And Lukaku has been out as well. Maybe they are not using him as well as they should. Uh, they Maybe they need to try to use him a little bit better to hold the ball up, pin his marking down, having runners in behind. Is Again, it is a team that seems to me that things can only improve for Chelsea, having seen them playing so well across October and November. Again, I said the game against Juventus was one of the best I've seen them play in the last couple of years. Uh, let's not forget they were missing Kante as well in the important game at Zenit. So I wouldn't go too much on the considering they're going to concede goals. I think they're a quite tight defense. They're one of the strongest defense in Europe. They kept a lot of clean sheets since Tuchel came in. And I think it's going to be the same for this game. Good odds on the win to nil for Chelsea, for example. 225 at the moment on Oddspedia. And actually, Alvaro, Chelsea last season, they kicked out uh, all the Spanish teams, uh, Sevilla, Atletico de Madrid and Real Madrid. And as Danny said, they were all tight margin, but Chelsea negotiated the games really well. They didn't concede chances, they didn't concede goals and was kind of uh, not working in the park, but was kind of easy for them. Yeah, I think one of the biggest strengths of Chelsea is that they just shut the door and uh, you don't know what to do. Uh, not being a defensive team, which is something very remarkable because they just shut the door uh, even when you have the possession at the back. It's really impressive the way that uh, Thomas Tuchel has uh, set up this team over the last 12 months or 11 months, to be honest. But um, I have seen flows in there as well. I think that uh, this team needs to work collectively very well because the individualities are not offering so much. Um, I think at Jorginho, for example, uh, sometimes uh, he has felt a little bit like, who is my partner here? Because Kovacic and Kante hasn't been uh, featuring lately, and uh, Loftus-Cheek or uh, whoever plays alongside him, Saul, for example, they haven't been worthy uh, of Chelsea, especially Saul, let's be fair, uh, they haven't been worthy of Chelsea's shirt. 
And uh, what happened in the last two or three games with Chelsea is a bit concerning, of course, but I wouldn't take uh, too many conclusions yet because I believe that this can be fixable. For example, against Zenit, I saw many one-on-ones uh, from Zenit strikers with uh, Eduard Mendy, and this is something that you didn't see before. So whether this is going to be something circumstantial or something um, that will repeat itself future, it's something that we still have to see. But Chelsea... It's obviously a favorite for this for this uh, tier, for this game alone. And uh, Lille, they have improved a lot. Uh, at the beginning of the season, they lost like five or six games up to the 29th of October uh, when they lost their last game against PSG. And since then, they haven't lost a single game. They are uh, climbing uh, up little by little in the league on table. Uh, I know, as Daniel says, that maybe in the wind, in this winter transfer window, uh, they may suffer a, an upset or two, obviously, because uh, last season they won the league and, uh, you know, they've got still very good players. Um, but I'm going to go for Chelsea here. I believe that they are the favourites. I think the Romelu-Lukaku factor is something that we haven't explored enough because he has barely been available for Thomas Tuchel. And I think that he can be a league changer, uh, Romelu-Lukaku, especially if uh, he shows the level he has at Inter Milan. So, for this game, I'm going to go very simply for a clean sheet for Chelsea. That pays 2-10, and I know that this team, when they defend well, they are the, still the best defense in Europe. Chelsea, to qualify, is 1.25. Very, really favorite. And as, and as Envano is uh, saying, I hope no, that little uh, don't lose Jonathan David in the window, in the Christmas window, because he's too good. Yeah, I said by the way that uh, Chelsea kicked out uh, Sevilla. No, they kicked out Porto, but in Sevilla, that was no, my and Sevilla mistake. in the group stage. Sevilla in the group stage, they put them second. They beat mm -hmm. them four 0 last year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After Sevilla was kicked out by Borussia Dortmund, actually, in the last 16 round. Then, uh, this is an interesting one, actually. Villarreal, Juventus, Alvaro. This is the first time the Juventus will face Villarreal. Juventus arrived to this fixture, of course, as favorites, but they had uh, terrible mistakes the last uh, two years in the Champions League against weak teams. And we know how this Emery Villarreal can compete. We showed it against Atalanta. Be careful, Juventus, be careful. Be careful, and especially because Gerard Moreno is back and Gerard Moreno is uh, the key player for Villarreal. Because Let's face it, I mean, uh, Dan Yuma has been fantastic, uh, probably the breakthrough player of La Liga in the beginning of the season. But when Gerard Moreno was not there, all the scoring responsibility fell on him, and Dan Yuma, Dan Yuma is not a great scorer. Now with Gerard Moreno as the focal point, Dan Yuma can play better, Gerard Moreno will score the goals, and um, the likes of Jeremy Pino and Samu Chukwese will uh, probably find someone to to put in the net their crosses. So Villarreal is playing well. They are recovering players. I think that Villarreal, strange as it sounds, they've got probably the third or fourth best squad in La Liga. I think that their squad is better than Sevilla's. I'm sorry uh, for uh, my Sevilla, or our Sevilla fans. But uh, they've got uh, such a depth in midfield with Parejo, Iborra, um, Coquelin, uh, Capoue. It's very impressive. Up front, they've got four or five really good options. Even Dia or Alcácer can play there. And uh, Unai Emery, so far in the Champions League, I will say that Villarreal has been the better side in four of six games. I think that against Atalanta in the first game 
Atalanta was better than them, and I think that Manchester United at El Madrigal was better than, uh, than them. But Villarreal has been at least, as I, said, as I said before, they have been tremendously competitive in four out of the six games they have played in the Champions League so far, and with Gerard Moreno they are going to improve for sure. So, Here I could go for the Villarreal to qualify because Juve to qualify pays 150, Villarreal to qualify pays 250, but I'm going to take it slowly because I don't know what Juventus is going to do in the winter transfer window. Uh, maybe they, you know, they are capable of bringing a, a player who changes the direction of the team a little bit, especially up front. But for the game alone, uh, maybe the first half throw is something that I could look into here, 212, and the Asian handicap 0-4 Villarreal that pays 210, and I like it a lot. What Juventus are trying to do in the, in the in the winter, if they're doing something, is to try to bring goals because they missed so much the goals that Cristiano Ronaldo scored last season. I think in the league they are minus 13 compared to last season. They're thinking about someone like Cavani, maybe someone like Icardi on a loan, uh, someone who can really finish the chances that they do create from time to time, but they struggle to convert. And it's been the same story in the Champions League, really. 3-1-0, Chelsea... Zenit, Malmo, and they are top of the group unexpectedly. But there is a feeling in the Juventus camp that this is going to be a tricky trip because they're going to face a team with European pedigrees that knows how to manage games. It is a team that is going on the up, whereas Juventus is a team that sometimes look, doesn't look like a collective, uh, doesn't look like what games they're playing, whether they're pressing, whether they're waiting. The old guard, Chiellini, Bonucci, Szczesny, Quadrado, has been there, has done that, but they're not as sharp as they used to be. So for Allegri, it's a real, real dilemma whether, uh, how do you approach this game? Because he's been far too passive, far too reactive in big games. Sometimes he worked out, like against Chelsea, but in other times he's been dominated, uh, completed, as Chelsea at the return game, but also in a few games in uh, Serie A. Goals are going to be crucial for Juventus if they want to uh, go through the knockout stages, a team that has disappointed a lot in the last few um, Champions League uh, campaigns, uh, for sure. And also there is a big doubt about Dybala how fit Dybala is going to be. I know they want to renew his contract, 10 million a year. For a player that plays once every three, four games, sometimes he's not fit. It's difficult to rely on uh, Paolo Dybala all the time, despite him being a big talent. For this one, first leg, I cannot see Juventus be two favorites, to be fair, but the Asian handicap for Villarreal, that pays around 205 at the moment on Odspedia, so Villarreal not losing that game. I think that's more appealing. This is a very interesting tie, as Santa is telling us, Emery, well, he says, will knock out Juventus out, at least. Can, can, and the odds are good if you trust uh, Villarreal. 2.65 against 1.52 for La Vecchia Signora, the old lady. Danny was talking about Cristiano Ronaldo, so let's talk about Man United, Atletico de Madrid. This is another interesting one. Atletico de Madrid, they are happy. They were complaining after the draw because they didn't want to uh, face, of course, Bayern Munich. And now against Man United, of course, they have a chance. Uh, but be careful because Cristiano Ronaldo is back to the Metropolitano and his uh, victim. Uh, I mean, Atletico Madrid is one of his favorite victims as a Juventus player. I still remember his goals with Juve to come back in that great tie. Also with Real Madrid. Dani, uh, this 
I think this day is one of those that will change a lot in the next two weeks, yeah. uh, two months, because Man United, they have a new manager and Atletico de Madrid, they can only improve. Yeah, and also Man United can only improve. I think we haven't seen the full effect of Ranić yet. Two good results, one nil against Palace, one nil against Norwich, with some struggles, I would say. The win against Young Boys, was, well, the draw against Young Boys was a lot of changes. So, you know, it depends if how much Ranić is able to implement his ideas, his pressing style, playing on the front foot. Let's not forget, Man United are going to play every three days now until February, March, with the Cups, with the FA Cup, with the busy schedule. So, it might not be uh, straightforward for him. And I also wonder if in European football they can really play with a midfield of Fred and McTominay in games when you need to dominate possession, when you need to be comfortable on the ball. I am not entirely sure that's the best midfield for Man United in this game of games. And, you know, yes, of course, they got a lot of options in attack. They probably going to score a goal, but are they going to concede? Well, Manchester United this season have been quite leaky at the back. I think only three or four clean sheets so far this season, so a very poor record. This is something they need to improve as well, and they can improve it by having the ball more and looking after it a bit better. Now, Atletico Madrid, they've done it again. You know, they went to Porto. They were alive in the last 20 minutes. That's the scenario that Simeone likes. That's the scenario that the opponents fear a lot. But, you know, sometimes this works out for Simeone, but he sacrifices having the ball playing in attack. He sacrifices some of the talent that they still have. I know that... that 2021 for Atletico has been dreadful, but you know they 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 need to try and do more if they want to advance in the in the Champions League stage. You cannot just leave off the 20 the last 20 minutes in the second leg. So yeah, for Atletico Madrid and Manchester United, the first leg could be cagey, I would say. So if you look maybe at the goal market going under 225, that pays 2.8 at the moment for Nordskiri. When we saw the first draw, Alvaro, you said there is no option, of course, with Atletico de Madrid against Bayern Munich. Do you give them now some options against Man United? Yes, I do. I do, of course. I think that uh, Bayern was uh, too much for them. Uh, Manchester United uh, are about their level or even a bit, little bit lower. Uh, but uh, Atletico has been really poor uh, this season so far and that's why they are so far away from Real Madrid in the league. Uh, this is a team, Atletico, that doesn't defend as well as they were defending before. They have conceded 18 goals this season already. This is a team that uh, they are playing strikers with no plan whatsoever. It's like uh, today I play Cunha, tomorrow I play Suarez, and tomorrow I play Griezmann, and tomorrow I play with uh, Joao Felix and Correa. But uh, there is no plan um, attached to it. You know what I mean? It's just putting players up front and let's see what they can snatch up front. And I don't like that. I think that Atletico de Madrid has the quality to, to play a much better football. They're in defense. They have the problem with the individuals alone. I think that Jimenez, Savic, uh, they are not as good. But then I was very positively surprised at Porto because uh, they fielded Condoquia and Persalico in defense and none of them are centre-backs and Atletico probably put the best display defensively of the season. So, you know, some games in the Champions League, they have shown us that Atletico de Madrid is a team that we can still believe in. Uh, for example, the second half against Liverpool at Wanda Metropolitano with one man down. Um, the second half against Porto was very good as well. So, you know, I think that Atletico can improve, of course, as Daniel says. But uh, my question is, will Simeone have a very attacking approach against uh, Manchester United or not? And then Manchester United, how much are they going to improve? Um, 
their uh, midfield, it's uh, very immobile, in my opinion, with the ball, especially. You give the ball to Fred and McTominay, and it took, takes the matches to turn back and pass the ball. But then, once that pass is done, Manchester United can be dangerous again with the likes of Bruno Fernandes and all the lot they've got up front. Uh, obviously, Cristiano Ronaldo is uh, the most shiny star they've got in there. So, for this game in particular, I think that... Uh, Anything could change a lot uh, from now until February. That's number one. And number two, if we had the away goal rule, this game would be totally different. But the away goal rule doesn't apply anymore this season. I know that Atletico, for example, when they play a front in the in the first leg with the away goal rule, probably they go for the nil-nil. This time, the story changes a little bit. You know what I mean? So maybe both teams to score is something that I could look at here. Why? Because Manchester United is a power force scoring and because Atletico de Madrid will probably this time change a little bit the plan. There is no away rule, uh, away goal rule and uh, they will try to score this time too. So both teams to score 190. Losing losing the away rule for Simeone is like losing a relative. Yeah, like, really, he, it is. Because he's like basically he's most of the game plan is based on the away rule. And, and uh, some the of the goal. most successful Atletico de Madrid uh, victories have been uh, thanks to, I mean, qualifications, oh. thanks to that. Uh, do you remember uh, the nil-nil with Chelsea at uh, Vicente Calderón? And then yeah. they beat Chelsea 1-3 at the Stamford Bridge. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Well, last season it was very cagey. Also, Atletico Madrid-Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea, Chelsea yes. won with uh, Giroud. Scoring the winner uh, to qualify. This is uh, more balanced, actually. Atletico 2.2. Bayer, uh, Bayer, no. Man United 1.78. And the last uh, game fixture is a beautiful one. I love to see these two clubs in these stages of the Champions League. Benfica, Ajax, two historic teams, mostly offensive uh, to this fixture. Uh, if it's going to be played uh, today, of course, uh, Ajax uh, should be considered favourite because it's one of the teams that we like the most in the Champions League. Also, lately, they are doing the things way better in Europe. They won all six games uh, in the group stages. The first time that a Dutch team does that. Alvaro, what can we expect in this beautiful Benfica Ajax? It's a nice game. It's a classic game. And uh, I can only expect right now Ajax to win. I said yesterday in our much maligned show that one that should have never happened because the draw was repeated that... Uh, the only reason not to trust Ajax is just a, pre a prejudice that comes from um, my childhood. Because, you know, Dutch teams, especially Ajax, they play happy football, but then in defense they are not so good. But the truth is that I have to vanish that prejudice from myself because this doesn't apply this season. Ajax defensively, they have been good in attacking. They have been, in attack, they have been excellent. They have beaten Sporting Club Portugal this season already. They have beaten Borussia Dortmund. They have knocked them out already. So... And they are looking very impressive in the Redivisia. Uh, they are not conceding many goals. So this is Ajax right now. And uh, they are one of the hottest propositions in European football. Benfica, they qualified in the group with Barcelona. Uh, they did a good job beating them at uh, Estadio da Luz because that uh, was a, a group changer uh, scoreline when they beat Barcelona over there. Uh, 2-0 or 3-0, I don't remember very well right now. So... I think that Benfica has done very well in the in the championship so far. They have beaten the opponents that they have to beat, but they're going to be involved in a title race and they by the time they are playing against Ajax. And I do believe that Ajax have better players. They are more dangerous. They've got better defenders, better strikers and a better style. Uh, even though Benfica, they are solid and they've got one of the best managers in Europe uh, with Giorgio Jesus, but still. So I'm going to go here for... Uh, 
an Asian handicap minus one for Ajax. I like that one that pays 3.20 and I think it's appealing enough. I can see Ajax uh, causing an upset uh, in Portugal as they did back in October when they beat over the Sporting Lisbon 5-1. They done it before, as Alvaro said. They done it before, and they were so good against Sporting Lisbon. And Sporting Lisbon were so good against Benfica a couple of weeks ago in uh, La Superliga. So, okay, if you if you apply this logic, Ajax should win 10-0. I know it's not like this, but I think there is a difference in class between Ajax and Benfica. Ajax were defeated at the weekend by Z Alkmaar, so they're second in the league. But, you know, this can happen. This is a team that's got a goal difference of plus 45 in the Eredivisie. So high-scoring team, team that is playing the right kind of football, you know, they always been doing. And, you know, uh, so much saying that the Eredivisie is not a challenging uh, competition. Well, it is if you play the right style of football, if you implement your ideas, as team like PSV also are doing, which is top of the league, then it's very challenging because you are pushing yourself to the next level, not just about buying the most expensive players. And Ajax is what he's doing. He's only nursing players, coaching them and training them. I think Haller now is a better player than what he was, for example, at West Ham United. Anyway, uh, Benfica, uh, not to be underestimated because normally they do not lose at home. Uh, they are quite sturdy when they play at home. And, you know, it is a team that's got a mixture of experienced players, João Mario, Vertonghen, Otamendi, being rejuvenated there in Lisbon, but also Darwin Nunez, Rafa Silva. So, you know, a team that can uh, especially stretch you, Rafa Nunez and Rafa Silva, stretch defenses, especially if they play with a high line. But for this one, I'll be confident for Ajax to get a good result to go back to Amsterdam, maybe you could go Ajax to score first, take the lead as they often did in the group stages five five times out of six, they took the lead doesn't pay too much, I know, 175 Ajax already won in Lisbon against Sporting and Vano is telling us that the odds are very high, of course for Ajax, Ajax to qualify 1.32 Benfica to qualify 3.52 and to finish the video, Fanta is asking you, Danny, which team do you support? There are clues behind me, so it shouldn't should be too difficult to, to guess. Let's Come let's let's talk. Watch the next video. Yeah, we have on Thursday Serie A. Yeah, so watch we the can, next video. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's we already talked about it also in this yeah. video. I support uh, <laughs> a white team with a lot of Champions League. Um, so you have your uh, answer and of course Alvaro is a proud athletic supporter and another team and another team a bit less <laughs> a bit thank a you bit, a bit I, I, I've seen I've seen you before I met you when, when they were playing anyway that, time for another one <laughs> thank you Alvaro thank you Dani see you very soon on Thursday we have more videos and we will be back with the Champions League in February of course we will analyze every single game See you, guys. Ciao. Thanks, everyone, for Thank watching. You. And don't forget to press the like and subscribe. Bye. Bye-bye.